This episode of the Tales of the Justice Society of America is sponsored by David A. Pascarella of Staten Island, New York, and he has this message. Hi, guys. I would like to sponsor an episode of Tales of the JSA that is as close to January 29th, 2012 as possible, my oldest birthday. The gist of the message is... Happy ninth birthday to a big Superman fan, Teresa Pascarella. We are all very proud of you. Love, Daddy, Kathy, and Amanda. Happy birthday again to Teresa Pascarella. And he he, uh, concludes with, thanks, guys. Uh, Let me know you got this. (laughs) Please keep up the good work. And that's from, again, from David A. Pascarella of Staten Island, New York. Thank you very, very much for sponsoring the show, David. We sincerely appreciate it. Happy birthday, Teresa. Earth 2, a world very much like our own, yet slightly different. There, the sons and daughters, protégés and godchildren of the JSA have banded together to be the next generation of mystery men and women. Tales of the Justice Society of America presents Infinity Incorporated. Welcome to Funeral for Some Freaks, Part 3. <laughs> Hi, I'm Scott Gardner, and joining me, as always, is Michael Bailey. And as you're going to hear, we're both quite under the weather at the moment. I don't know where this cold came from, dude, but it, it hit me. It literally hit me in a day. Like, I was at work, getting ready to end the shift. I get that little tickle in my throat. I'm like, man, tomorrow I'm going to wake up with a cold. I got home, I sat down in front of the computer, and bam, a cold hit. (laughs) Like, all at once. So, my voice is... I apologize for sounding a bit like Barry White uh, (laughs) at the moment, ladies. (laughs) To do an impersonation of my friend Big Hawk and Steve. There's no ladies listening to this. We, we We have a few female listeners. I'm sure we do. Yeah, we probably we never, they don't they never come out of the woodwork. I notice because they're probably well, afraid you. But, yeah, no, no. I mean, and and I'm not just talking about us, dude. I'm talking about like some of the people that uh, that listen to this show. You know, it's just like yeah, those people are scary. We got we got some scary fans. Well, not fans. <laughs> we don't have fans. We have listeners. We have right. listeners. I keep, I keep forget. I can't believe I made that mistake because I'm the I'm the I'm the guy that will sit there and argue with people that are like, well, I'm a fan of your show, Well, I don't have fans, I have listeners, so it just Whatever. seems very pretentious to me. Yeah, that, you know, so yeah. I, I I try not to I try to steer people away from from using that word because it it kind of creeps me out. I have to be honest with you. Well, we have a we have a great audience. Uh, yes, we do. And uh, but to me, you know, we're we're not. 
celebrities in any sense of the word so having fans is just kind of weird it's just like no i just we just sit here talking to microphones edit it on audacity release it out there and people listen and <laughs> it's pretty much as simple as that well you're lucky because because yours hit you at the end of a shift mine hit me literally as i was driving into work this was oh, uh well, by the time this comes out, this will this will be like well over a week ago. But uh, yeah, it, it 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 just slammed me hard right on the way to. I was like, man, I just don't feel good, you know. <laughs> but it, it was weird. It was you know you, you you get to a particular age, and when all of a sudden like you get these weird feelings coming over you, you know, you start to get that that thought in the back of your mind, you know, am, am I having a heart attack or something? You know, you you just worry, you know. And yeah. uh, and I did. I just had this sudden like energy drain come over me. You know, it was like, man, I just I don't feel. I could just fall asleep driving right now. You know, and I got to work and it just got worse and worse. And uh, man, I ended up doing something I never ever do, which was I ended up calling to work. I actually had to take a couple of days off. And uh, you're lucky that you can do such a thing. Yeah. Thank. Thankfully, I now feel much better. I'm. I'm not 100. percent I'm still very tired, but uh, but I'm starting to feel a little bit better. But I think a lot of it was for one thing. And there's a very very nasty virus going around our area, and I'm sure that's what I caught. But um, I just I had been burning the candle at both ends for so long. I knew it was going to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I think that's just that's the life of a podcaster. You know, you yeah. you know you're, you you squeeze life in around the moments where you're not podcasting. You know, <laughs> and. Uh, yeah, you know, my mother keeps constantly posting on Facebook. All you know, when do you sleep? When do you sleep? And I'm like, I I don't sleep. You know, I mean that's part of the problem. You know, so yeah. But I tell you what, those two days I took off, that's all I did, dude. Just I was out because I, I you know you know I, I'll be honest. You know, like 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 I think like any normal human being, when you take a sick day, yes, you feel like crap, but there's also that that feeling of. Ah, sick day, you know? I mean, even though you can't really enjoy it, you know, with you and I both being readers, I'm sure there's that feeling of, well, at least, if nothing else, at least if I'm laid up, I can get caught up on some reading. Mm -hmm. You think I could do any... Every time I, 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 I... you know, took a comic out of the bag or picked up a novel or something to be like, ah, I can finally get caught up. And it was like, I was out like a light, you know? So, yeah, I well, literally, like, slept through the entire time. At the risk of... Uh... At the, at the risk of sounding like I'm complaining or something, um, I'm not old, but I'm not getting any younger. <laughs> right. It's harder to get over colds now, for some reason. As I as I progress through my thirties, <laughs> um, it's just harder to get over shit. Because you know, like ten years ago, I could I could I could crack a cold in a day, in three days. You know, tickle in the throat, feel like crap, work it way through, let's get on with life. And now, this is the second cold I've had in like a month and a half. And it's just like, wow, I usually don't get sick, so... <sighs> I have a I have a theory, I don't know if there's any way to test it or if I'm just completely full of crap, but I have a theory that working where I work has seriously boosted my immune system. Because I'm, you know, I'm just, I'm exposed to crap from all over the world you know what i mean and and so i think it's just a matter of you know survive or die because uh, uh-huh i had the opposite effect when i worked for delta airlines oh really 
because I was I was a bag uh, I, I was a tug driver. Mike Bailey, tug driving man. Sounds like a country song. <laughs> um, but uh, basically, I was the guy that went from one plane with bags to another plane because they were, you know, catching a connection or something. And I would get a lot of runs to e-concourse at Hartsfield, which is the international concourse. So through these bags, I am pretty sure I was exposed to everything the world had to offer uh, when it comes to illnesses. And I was sick constantly. So, yeah. See, I hear Mike Bailey tug driving man, and I have two images pop into my mind. One is you behind the wheel of a of a red Mack truck with a monkey by your side, or you in a tugboat dressed like Skipper from Gilligan's Island with a parrot on your shoulder. And I don't know, I I don't know which image would make the better TV show. Maybe maybe like you could be you could do both. You know, it's like your secret identity is is the other one. You know what I mean? Maybe Popeye at least. Do I have to be the Skipper? <laughs> I mean, seriously, Scott. That dude, really? I'm just saying. I'm just saying the outfit. I'm not. I wasn't. I wasn't the comparison of body types or anything. Oh, okay. I was just saying the outfit. You know. <laughs> it was like, this is a weird digression. Years ago, my friend, uh, a buddy of mine, would constantly call me Hoss. I was like, "What's up, Hoss?" I go, "Hoss was the fat guy," <laughs> and he stopped. He goes, "I never thought about that." <laughs> So, so your job is making you like immune to the super bug, and the job I had made me more susceptible to dying of everything that <laughs> humanity. Well, see, that's what I was worried about at first. Was like, oh man, this you know, I'll, I'll catch everything that comes down the pike. But I don't know. I, I you know, you you, uh, you may have just shot holes in my theory because that's the thing is that you would think it would be that way. You would mm-hmm. think it would be like, man, you know, everything that comes along, I'm going to get it, you know. But I haven't really. I mean, this is honestly the first time I've been like seriously sick. You know what I mean? I mean, I've caught the sniffle. You know, like I had the sniffles briefly, like. I think it was like, you know, because I usually don't get like winter colds. I get like in the spring is when, you know, I usually get a, a little, you know, a little cold or tickle in the throat or whatever. But this is the first time I can remember in quite some while where I was actually like laid up. So I don't know what it was, but well, <laughs> the this, this super flu, apparently. Yeah, I God, just about everybody at work was sick, too. So I didn't feel too bad. <laughs> Well, I did, but no, I didn't. I I have I have no love for. No, that's not true. I like most of the people I work with. <laughs> they're, they're good people. Um, some of them are like ten years younger than me, and it and that and that generation gap uh, is very apparent at times. So, dude, you you forget that I speak retail. So when you say things like they're good people, I know that that's cold for I really don't like any of these people at all. <laughs> I speak the language. Oh, man. So, before we get into our exciting issue, because as you probably noticed before our uh, funeral music, we kind of went back to the old theme (laughs) for this episode. And the reason why we did that is that we are starting a new series, uh, which we will get to in just a second. But before that, I was really, um, I was kind of fascinated when they announced what new books were coming down the pike with the new 52 over at DC, the second wave, as they call it, uh, replacing a bunch of books that are being canceled that most of them 
you, you, you pretty much do are going to be canceled from the first issue. But God <laughs> love them, they tried. Um, one is going to be called Earth 2, which we had discussed before. It's going to be written by James Robinson. But the other one, which I was kind of fascinated about, was a World's Finest series with Power Girl and the Huntress. And apparently they're trying to get back to Earth 2. And that made me realize, and I, I um, looked up an interview here from comicbookmovie.com where they misspelled Paul Levitz's name in the uh, title of the article. Whoops. Um, really? <laughs> Good going there, comicbookmovie.com. Um, L-E-V-I-T-S. Right. And, and he misspells it again. And you know what's really sad is that it's he misspells it through the entire thing. Oh my god! How could you do that? Um, now it sounds like I'm picking on the person who who posted this, and I apologize for that. But spell, anyways. Um, there's a Huntress miniseries going on right now, which I picked up the first issue, and I really wasn't all that interested in it after reading it. But now it turns out that the the Huntress running around right now is uh, is Helena Wayne, which we have been talking about since the show began, that they need to get back to that. Right. Uh, in, in the DCU. So, uh, yeah, the concept of uh, Helena Wayne and Power Girl trying to get back to Earth 2 is actually making me go, you know, I need to pick this up and see what it's about. You know, at least check out a few issues and see where Paul Levitz. I mean, you know, there's always the fear, and we were talking about this before we, we, we started officially recording, that, you know, comic superhero comics are littered with You Can't Go Home Again. Right. There are so many people who have gone back to a title and either it's just not good or it's so different that it's just like, well, this isn't even going home again. This is something completely different. Peter David's second run on the Hulk is a good example of that. You know, it wasn't bad. It was actually pretty cool in places, but it, it wasn't his original run. And Mark Wade's second run with Wally West was God awful. <laughs> It made me sad. I dropped the book. I dropped Mark Wade writing The Flash. That, uh, well, that that's not impressive anymore. I drop books all the time now. But still, you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic, and I'm just going to see how this whole thing plays out. You know, I, I'm, I'm certainly, I, I'm, I'm just going to come clean. I'm certainly not going to buy it, but I may check it out just to see, you know, but, you know, just to get an, a feel for it or whatever. But I don't know. I just I have the strangest feeling about it. it, it it's a it's a very bittersweet feeling because I should be out of my mind with with giddy enthusiasm. Oh, my God, they're bringing it all. But, but you know, it, it, it's there's so many mixed emotions, many of which equate to basically it's too little too late. You know, okay. it's it's not the universe. I wanted, you know, I am not invested at all in this new 52 thing. I think it's a horrible idea. And, you know, as I've said, and I don't want to belabor the point because I know that you and I have done entire shows on this point, but it's, <laughs> it's basically, it comes down to without Superman, I'm just not interested in DC comics. You know, Superman is the cornerstone of that universe for me. And without a Superman that I recognize as Superman and, and, and acknowledge and enjoy, then, then it, it sours the entire experience for me. Then I, I you know, I, I just can't get it. You know, because one of the things, 
and I think that you and I would agree on this. I think that you and I have both experienced the, the same thrill. You know, we love the, the books that we've been covering with this show, with Tales of the JSA. But one of the big thrills for us in All-Star Squadron is when Superman shows up. When, mm-hmm. when Superman shows up, it's a big freaking deal, you know? And he's awesome because he's Superman. I won't get that from a New Earth 2 book, you know, because it's not the Superman I want. It's not a Superman I, 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 I identify with. So that right there takes a, a, a big element away that's important to me. And it's just, I, I, you know, I appreciate what they're going for. If this really truly is a, a bone being thrown to us older fanboys, I do appreciate the gesture. I think it's, I think it's kind of cool, you know, it, 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 you know, good on them. But at the same rate, without it being you know, a, a, a true return to the old, then it, it's kind of like, well, thanks, but, but no thanks, you know? And I'm not trying to be harsh by saying that because like I say, I, I you know, there's, I, it is kind of cool, but I'm just, I don't know. I'm just not excited about it. I thought I would be, I, I thought that I, you know, I thought that this was kind of what I wanted, but it, it, it's also, I think it's one of those situations of be careful what you wish for. You just might get it. Because they are giving us back something that we had asked for, but mm-hmm. without getting it one hundred percent, you know, without it truly being the old pre-crisis universe back and everything, I, I just I don't think it's going to be the same. I, I could be dead wrong. It could turn out to be the most awesome thing, and you know, I might check it out and go, "Wow, I was completely dead." I mean, it's happened, but at the moment, I'm just not like thrilling for it you know i'm not like counting down the days until it comes out it's it's one of those things where somebody's gonna have to remind me it's even out you know yeah and, and i'll and i'll go check it out and see what i think of it but at the moment yeah just they they need there's too many other things that i you know again this is my personal opinion but in my in my view of dc comics current day there's too many other things that need fixing first before i can get excited about earth 2 so that's that's kind of where I'm at with it. Well, um, and I'm not really going to go into this beyond a few sentences. Uh, another thing that came down the pike recently is that DC has changed its logo again. Oh, really? And um, y- oh, you didn't know? No, I did. I, dude, I'm not keeping up at all. Uh, apparently not. Well, um, okay. Let's get Scott's live reaction shot. Uh oh. Of seeing the new logo, and then I'll I'll. I'll kind of pepper it in with uh, with my feelings on the on the subject, and uh, I'm just going to stand back a few feet because uh, I don't know if uh, I'm not trying to wind you up. I promise, oh. just to tell you, because I know you okay, don't like that. Let's see, but um, let's um, see what we shall see. Ooh, that's ugly. Yeah, it pretty much sucks. <laughs> it looks like a sticker peeling off. It it does it does and and and, and apparently wow you can yeah I mean and they get and they had uh, I'm, uh the the link I sent him was from the Superman homepage and they have like different variations on the theme like they have like a Watchmen centric one and a Green Lantern centric one and all that which is kind of a neat idea but at the same time uh, I had just gotten used to the swoosh. See, I hate that, and it's I'm actually trying to judge in my mind which one I hate more. <laughs> I think I actually I think I hate this one more. This is really really horrible because it literally does. It looks like a sticker that's about to come off. It, it looks, you know. 
my my biggest problem with it, and um, and, and this isn't me trying to be a stodgy, you know, like I can't change fanboy. Uh, it doesn't say comics to me. And I know the DC is is probably trying to follow Marvel's lead into becoming not, you know, to changing from being like a, a comic company into a multimedia company. In fact, DC Comics as a company doesn't exist anymore. It's DC Entertainment. DC right. Comics is just what they put on the uh, on the comics, which is cool. I mean, I'm glad they didn't change it to DC Entertainment for the comics because I think that would have disenfranchised me even further. But you know, when I see a logo like that, I want to I want to see wow that that you know like the current DC logo, which you know, <laughs> which I've seen called the swoosh, which is why I refer to it as such. I I didn't. I didn't like it when it came out, but I got used to it. You know, you see it enough, and it just becomes part of the landscape. And, because uh, I loved the bullet. You know, yeah. I grew up with the bullet. So, you know, I, I realized, though, that things change. The bullet, you know, came about in, like, 76. So before that, there was a DC logo. Um, and they wanted something that would look better on the back of, like, action figures and stuff, and in front of movies, and... I, I guess that's going to be the test, you know, this this coming uh, summer with Dark Knight is how is this going to look on the big screen. And But the thing is, is that, it, you know, the Marvel logo, the current Marvel logo, for example, I mean, it's, it's a red block with Marvel written in it. Right. That's their logo. But that looks like something that looks equally as good on a comic as it does anywhere else. Right. Know? It's brand identification. I get that. This, like you said, it looks like a sticker peeling off. Well, you know, when you when you said, you know, when you when you sent the image and you prefaced it with, I know you don't like this. What I really, really expected it to, this to open up to be was uh, was something very retro with Superman, but with it being the new um, red shortsless Superman or something like that. Which you know what I, I was just noticing, just scrolling down the page here on the Superman homepage, which I, I admittedly I do not visit often enough. I'm noticing that every every single image on this is classic Superman, and uh, kudos to them. That's awesome. I, I really I really really like that. I mean, most of it is uh, is Garcia Lopez, which is awesome anyway. But I, I just I can't help but notice that there are dozens and dozens and dozens of images of superman just on this one page and every single one of them's classic that's that's cool i like that well i'm very proud to be part of that website i really am been there for 10 years now so <laughs> hey because of that site i got to talk to non so that's cool awesome anyways you got anything to bring us in before we get to the meat of the matter uh Seems like I did have something, but now I can't remember what it was. Oh, hey, wait, I just remembered what it was. I screwed up last issue, uh, yeah, last issue, last episode, rather, and said that, yeah, last issue showed that, uh, you know, after we did this special uh, episode here with uh, covering Infinity Inc. number one, that the next episode would start our new format where we would be covering two books at the same time. For some odd reason, I don't know the story behind. Maybe you do, Mike. Um, There is a month between Infinity Inc. number one and Infinity Inc. number two. Once we get to number two, 
then it becomes a monthly book. But like this one, for example, is uh, cover dated March 1984 for issue one, but issue two is actually May. So there was no April issue. So we'll be covering the April issue of All-Star Squadron next episode, but there won't be an Infinity Inc. companion, but you know, it won't be number two. So it'll be episode after next episode that'll start the new format. Have I thoroughly confused the audience now? I hope so. But anyway, that's... Uh, I you just hope wanted to, so. <laughs> I just wanted to throw that correction out there because I do believe that we stated probably a couple of times that we would have this special episode... With great fanfare. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> with all this fanfare for something that's now uh, not going to happen. Because I, I just didn't realize it. It wasn't until the episode was over and done and I started to read ahead to get prepared for you know future episodes that I realized, ooh, wait a minute, we, uh, we're not where we thought we were with this. So anyway, I apologize, folks. So you'll get this episode covering one book, you'll get next episode covering another book, and then the episode after that, that will start the new format with uh, covering one issue of All-Star Squadron, one issue of Infinity, Inc., it won't be the last time we screw up, folks. <laughs> I can, I can, I can damn near guarantee you that. So, um, yeah. So, hey, speak for yourself, Val. Anyway, so are we uh, ready to are we ready to dive right in yes. after that? Uh, what I was thinking was going to be a very <laughs> short preamble, and it ended up being a really good discussion. Yeah, well, we had we had the ending discussion at the beginning, so now we can get into the meat of the episode. Which involves, and I'm really excited about this because it's been a while since we've launched a new series uh, within the, uh, as far as our coverage goes. I have in my hands Infinity Incorporated number one. <gasps> Co- uh, cover price was $1.25, a full 50 cents above normal cover price at the time. And apparently you paid $1.50 in Canada. I have no idea what you paid in England. Even if they, if or if they got this, uh, Andy will certainly tell us. Um, it has a cover date, as you said, of March 1984. We have a beautiful Mike Macklin and Jerry Ordway cover, where in the background you have a classic take on the cover to All Star Comics number three, with the original JSA and Hawkman looking kind of like a tool. And there is a theme to this <laughs> issue, folks. And with all apologies to Jack Luke Jacanetti, the theme is this: Hawkman. Hawkman. Is a, a dick. dick. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I got your Anyways, back, brother. So we have that in the background, and in the foreground, we have Star Spangled Kid, Jade, No Obsidian, Nuclon, Silver Scarab, posing like a Marvel character, the Huntress in the background, Power Girl, and Brainwave, who is not in the issue. <laughs> Yesterday, the All-Star Squadron. Today, the Justice Society of America. And tomorrow, Infinity Incorporated. The new generation of superheroes is here. Credits on this bad boy are, if I can get to the right page, (laughs) Roy Thomas, writer-editor, Jerry Ordway, penciler, co-designer with Mike Macklin, who is the inker, with the additional talents of Dan Thomas who is Roy's wife, co-plotter. Anthony Tallinn as colorist, and John Costanza as editor. The story title is Generations, and our story begins with the launch of the Enterprise B. Kirk, Chekhov, and Mr. Scott are on hand to see the ship off, and it is a media circus. Wait, wrong generations. Sorry about that. 
figured you would get a kick out of that. <laughs> Uh, just imagine, folks, that before all of that, you saw a champagne bottle flying through space. So, our story really begins at a Christmas Eve meeting of the JSA. And the roll call is Hawkman, Green Lantern, Wonder Woman, Flash, Dr. Fate, The Atom, Dr. Midnight, Our Man, Johnny Thunder, Starman, Wildcat, Power Girl, Star Spangled Kid... The Huntress, and Robin. Hawkman apologizes for calling the meeting on a holiday, but before he can get into the meat and potatoes of why they are all there, a colorfully clad group of youngsters bust in with a guy in silver saying that the JSA should vote them in as four new members. Everyone is shocked, and for a moment the JSA forgets that this is a DC comic, not a Marvel comic, and the JSA starts fighting with the interlopers. The Atom asks Wonder Woman, Hey, these kids look familiar, don't they? But that doesn't stop the fight from going on for another page. Finally, Wonder Woman wraps the kids in her lasso of truth, and everyone calms down for five seconds. The new heroes unmask, and sure enough, the Silver Scarab turns out to be Hector Hall, son of Hawkman and Hawkwoman. Fury turns out to be Lyda Hall, daughter of Wonder Woman and Colonel Steve Trevor, retired. Nuclon is Albert Rothstein, godson of the Atom, and Northwind is Norda, because he really needed a secret identity, is the godson of Hawkman. All they want is a chance to join the JSA, but Hawkman and Wonder Woman are kind of jerks about the whole thing. Because remember people, Hawkman is a dick. Dr. Fate and Flash are a bit more level-headed with the Flash explaining that they were called together... Because the JSA tried to pull the bad guys they put into limbo with the JLA a few months ago, which we covered on this very show, uh, a few months back. And they found that limbo was cut off, even from magic, and even from Inth Metal. And I thought Inth Metal could do anything. Oh well. A little more bickering between Hawkman and Sun. Later, Robin suggests that the youngsters head into the other room while the JSA votes on the matter. Once the door is slammed shut, the kids start telling their origins, starting with Hector, who had a pretty miserable time growing up as the son of Hawkman and Hawkgirl. He chose to go to UCLA for his college work, and after a few years of typical coursework that included a lot of independent study in the lab, he met up with a cute young blonde who, it turned out, had some superpowers of, his own, of her own, which he discovered during an earthquake. The blonde turns out to be Lyda, childhood friend to Hector, which leads into her origin, which is similar to Hector in terms of being the offspring of a superhero. Wonder Woman was pretty firm on Lyda finishing up college before becoming a masked crime fighter, and along the way to UCLA, she spotted a certain basketball-playing redhead named Albert. Hector and Lyda begin dating, and eventually Hector shows Lyda the suit. Yeah, that's what... That's what he shows her. The suit he had been working on, which combines Nth Metal with Solar Power, which I guess makes it even more awesome. Next up is Nuclon, a.k.a. Albert Rothstein, the grandson of Cyclotron. Remember him? We talked about him, too. His mother grew up relatively normal and had Albert a few years before Albert's father died in Vietnam. I wonder what they would change that to today. Probably I guess it would Gulf be the first War. Gulf War. Yeah. yeah. With the help of the Atom, he grew up big and strong, and very tall, apparently, and even developed an affinity for working on cars and such. 
Hector and Lyda invited Albert to come along on their quest to become members of the JSA, and that was when Albert shaved his head into a mohawk, because it was 1984. (laughs) Then we get Northwind's origin. Turns out that a friend of Hawkman's went with him to the bird people city of Phythera? I'm going to say Phythera. And fell in love with one of the natives. So this dude goes to a bird city, checks out a chick with a beak, and goes... I got to get me some of that. Yeah, I had the same thought. So, I don't know. Maybe she's hot from, like, the neck down. Kissing would be difficult, and I don't even want to think about how they eat. Uh, Norda was hatched, and yes, I literally mean Norda was hatched soon after, and thus was born a bitterness between Hector and Norda, because Norda could fly, and Hawkman would hang around him when they visited Phythera, because remember people, Hawkman Hawkman is is a dick. dick. Norda showed up to see what Christmas was all about and found Lyda, Hector, and Albert, and off they went. Meanwhile, the vote to allow the kids to become members comes down to a tie, which means that Hawkman gets to decide which way the vote will go. I think y'all see where this is going. The kids are called back in and told, sorry, uh, no, but maybe later when you have some experience under your belt. Suddenly, Jade and Obsidian show up and drop the bombshell that they are Green Lantern's kids. Another brief fight breaks out, but Hawkman, oddly enough, breaks it up saying that there are more important matters to attend to. Hector realizes that the society might not be the right place for them at the moment, and the youngsters leave with Jade and Obsidian in tow. Power Girl and the Huntress soon join them, with Star Spangled Kid thinking of thinking seriously of doing the same. Before much arguing can result from that bombshell, Brainwave in all his hydrocephalic glory busts into the place <laughs> and declares that he has matters to discuss with them without delay. Now, this is usually the point in the show where we go to the All-Star Companion Volume 3... And tell you some notes and stuff uh, from that book. And you're like, well, how are we going to do that with Infinity Incorporated? Well, folks, I just happen to have a copy of, uh, excuse me, All-Star Companion Volume 2. I have a copy of All-Star Companion Volume 4, which has the same coverage with Infinity Incorporated. Oh, rub it in, rub it in. If I wanted to rub it in, I'd tell you how much I paid for it. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm not going to do that because I'm a nice guy. Um, no, you are? Infinity- oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you are. Yeah. <laughs> Why are we friends? <laughs> uh, Infinity Inc. does not exist yet as a group in this story and is referenced only in the comic's title. Fury, daughter of Wonder Woman and General Steve, General Steve Trevor, was introduced as Lyda Trevor in Wonder Woman number 300, also written by Roy and Dan Thomas. Hector Hall, the Silver Scarab, is the son of Carta and Shiera Hall. His armor is made of ninth metal, the same substance that allows his parents to fly as Hawkman and Hawkgirl. Albert Rothstein, Nuclon, is the son of Terry Rothstein, nay Kurtzberger, the daughter of the World War II-era supervillain Cyclotron and goddaughter of the Atom and Firebrand, last seen as an infant in All-Star Squadron Annual Number 2. Norda Cantrell, Northwind, is the grandson of Warla, monarch of the bird people of this hidden city of <laughs> Phythera. Previously seen in the Hawkman story in Flash Comics number 71. His mother is the bird woman Asaro, his father the African-American science 
Dr. Fred Cantrell. Carter and Shiera Hall are his godparents. Jenny Lynn Hayden, Jade, and Todd Rice, Obsidian, announce that they are the children of Green Lantern. They are the fraternal twins which were separated in infancy and adopted by different families. She by middle-class suburbanites, he by working-class urbanites, and I might add, an abusive asshole. The original Sandman has suffered a stroke since his most recent appearance in DC Comics Presents number 47, and is thus absent from this issue. And they give him a stroke and not Johnny Thunder. What was that issue? The DC Comics Presents number 47. 47. No, I mean, it was, wh- a, it was a whatever happened to. Oh, okay, I got you. Okay. Hippolyta Lyda Trevor made her debut a year earlier in Wonder Woman number 300. In that multi-chapter special, she begs the newly arrived Wonder Woman of Earth-1 to help her train for superhero-dom, as her mother, the Golden Age-slash-Earth-2 Wonder Woman, has already been doing. Uh, incoming. Four young would-be JSA-ers crash a Justice Society meeting at the start of Infinity number 1. A few minutes later, Jade and Obsidian will burst in. This is, uh... Reprint of the splash page, which was art by Ordway and Macklin, and it is beautiful. And that is it for the notes on this one. What do you got? Well, first I gotta unmute my microphone. Um, That's a good idea. It, it just makes me wonder, you know, again, we have more than enough material on our plate at this point, especially with all that's coming up. But I do feel a little bit badly that some of this stuff that was alluded to, we haven't actually covered. And I'm wondering, should we or will we or what do you, what do you think? Like the those DC Comics Presents backups, I think we've talked about those before. I actually wouldn't mind covering those at some point. The only thing is I have the same concern about those that Roy Thomas had at the time, which was they're kind of spoilerific for where we're at with um, with All-Star Squadron because the names of all those features are whatever happened to. And then they feature a bunch of characters that we're talking about in All-Star Squadron. So, you know, you, you already know when it's doing things like, you know, whatever happened to, you know, Robot Man, for example. Well, evidently he didn't die because here he is around still in the 80s. So, you know, that sort of thing. So... I kind of want to cover them, but at the same rate, I, I like the the sense of mystery for anybody that's kind of you know following along with us, especially anyone that's you know that's not well versed on this material and is learning it from us. So I don't know. What do you think? I think we can probably find some way to do it. I mean, they're they're short stories, and most of them are pretty awful, right? Um, which is maybe one reason why we may not want to cover them because they're they're pretty awful oh are they really some of them yes some of them are kind of cool some of them yes the robot man one is just like really okay (laughs) is that (laughs) really what you're gonna do okay i can't really remember them i i think the only one i can remember off the top of my head was i'm pretty sure there was a crimson avenger one that i liked but i might be confusing that with a different crimson avenger appearance i'm not sure but the one I'm thinking of is the one that basically tells whatever happened to the Crimson Avenger. And I remember the, the I believe art that, that being was, really that good. I believe that was in DC Comics Presents. I mean, okay. the Adam one was decent. It just had, like, kind of a pointless feel to it. Right. Like, oh, so that's what happened to them. Glad I know that now. <laughs> well, then also there was, the, you know, the mention in here of, uh, of Wonder Woman 300, which uh, I don't know if that was mentioned in this particular issue or not. But as I was reading this, I got to thinking about... Um, 
you know, all these characters, you know, when, when they were giving their rundown and their origin stories. And I was thinking that um, Lita had actually appeared somewhere prior to this. And again, I'm not sure if it was mentioned here in the issue. I know you just uh, mentioned there, it. There is a brief mention of it. Um, I kept saying it was during that, like, three-part story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like, there's a bunch of episodes where I would do that, where I would say, yeah, it was in that three part story, you know, where, where it had like the chapter one, chapter two and chapter three thing on the covers and everything. And I kept saying, yeah, that's the first appearance of Lida. That's the first. Appe-. No, it was 300. It was 300. Yeah. Yeah. I started uh, reading that, that three chapter thing. Um, and I've, I've only gotten through the first chapter so far at some point, if, if we ever need to have a filler episode, which, you know, happens from time to time. Um, if we do, then I might be covering uh, that three-part Wonder Woman thing at, at okay. some point because I started reading it and uh, and it was good. I just um, started reading it with the intention that it would be a filler episode, and then we ended up not needing the filler episode for whatever week that was. But uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a good story and it's sort of Earth Two relevant. So yeah, you know, again, but uh, yeah, at the moment I think we've got. More than enough material. Plus, I don't actually own, I was just looking this up, that's why I was muted before, looking it up to see if I had a copy of Wonder Woman 300, and I have a pretty solid run of Wonder Woman uh, pre-300 and post-300. I do not have 300 itself, so I don't know that I've ever actually read that particular um, story, but Wonder Woman anniversary issues tended to be the suck so i would imagine it's probably not all that not wonderful the suck yeah it was yeah well traditionally speaking anyway because there was that one issue i forget what issue it was but there was that one like big huge anniversary issue where it had like the justice league and the new team titans and all these other characters in it and you were think wow it's this has got everybody it must be awesome it, yeah, yeah exactly and it was no it wasn't that good so, yeah. Um, anyway, as far as my notes, uh, I find this to be a weird cover. It's uh, the art's very good. Don't get me wrong. I think it's the color scheme. This burnt orange look to it is just kind of bizarre, and the character mix is very strange. I like that the the background is um, the cover to All Star Number Three, like you said, but. Then our new team in the foreground, they're just kind of it's it's kind of a weird mishmash. You know, you've got a character that's not in the issue. You've got Star Spangled Kid, yet he doesn't leave with the team. You've got Jade without Obsidian. It's just kind of a, a strange cover, but it does give you an idea of, you know, hopefully this is what the team is going to shape up to be. Um. My, probably my biggest note for this one is right here on page one. Hawkman called a meeting on Christmas Eve. Yes. What a butthole. <laughs> I mean, you know, as somebody that's worked a lot of Christmas Eves and a lot of Christmases oh, yes. and everything. I mean, you know, I think that these care. If you look around the table, you can kind of read between the lines that these people are pissed at Hawkman, and I think justifiably so. I mean, it's Christmas Eve, dude. What is so important that you've got to call all these people together on Christmas Eve? I mean, look at Our Man is a perfect example. He looks like he's about to crush that coffee cup and walk over and just clout Hawkman. I love it. 
Your mask sucks, Hawkman. <laughs> Power Girl too. She looks like she's not too happy with this situation. Um. Okay, so they burst, you know, the Infinity Inc., they burst in, they demand to be made part of the team, and as you say, a Marvel Comics-style fight breaks out. They don't recognize their own kids? Seriously? Seriously, come on. I mean, really? Come on. That's just, that's really silly. Um... Star-Spangled Kid needs to decide what colors his outfit is in this issue. They constantly yeah. change throughout the entire thing. I'm just wondering why on page four he's wearing his tidy whiteies on the outside. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm just curious. Um, let's see. Jumping ahead again. Page nine. Second panel. The Adam wants to know why Mommy and Daddy are fighting. <laughs> Doesn't he look like he's like, can you hold me for a minute, Wonder Woman? Yeah. He, just, he looks like he's like 12 years old. It's hysterical. <laughs> um, page 11. I like that the uh, the teacher, the professor, Professor Higgins, that's clearly John Hausman. I get a kick out of that. And I like it even better on uh, page 12 where a piece of masonry falls on his head because I never liked John Hausman very much. How can you not like John Hausman? Oh, dude, come on. And that is John Hausman, by yeah, the way. very much so. Um, in, 19, in the 1973 film and later t- TV series The Paper Chase, mm-hmm. actor-producer John Hausman portrayed the acerbic law professor Charles Kingfield. Professor Higgins, Lyda and Heck's comparative anatomy instructor, looked and talked much like Hausman in that role. Yep. So, <laughs> Professor Higgins, of course, was named after the protagonist in George... Bernard Shaw's play Pygmalion, later the basis for the Learner and Low Smash musical My, My Fair, Fair Lady. I wondered. I completely forgot to read that. Yeah, I wondered about that actually. I love the shot, the very next panel of uh, Lyda holding up the wall. That's mm-hmm. pretty cool. I, I don't know what it is about that, but it's very, very cool. I really like that shot. Um, I wanted to talk briefly about the, the different characters. Um, you know, I've never really had an opinion one way or the other on the Silver Scarab. I, I neither like him nor dislike him. He's just kind of one of those, like, meh kind of characters for me. I, I think the outfit's kind of cool looking, but I think it, I've always thought it lacked something. Like, there was something, some element that it needed, but I could never quite put my finger on it. It's like he has a lot of potential to be really cool. Um, I just don't remember him ever being really cool, but we'll see, you know, again, for, for one thing, I need to come clean right at the beginning that I only ever read my way through this series one time. And I don't think I even read it in order because it was one of those series. I had a lot of problems tracking down back issues of this. Cause when I was collecting, this was like way before the internet and all that. So, I mean, this was strictly like finding issues at, you know, in 50 cent boxes and at, you know, random comic shops, you know, all around New York state and stuff like that. So, you know, it was catch as catch can. And I remember reading them when I got them and reading the series, you know, all out of order and stuff like that. So this will be, you know, my first time reading it, you know, linearly. So we'll see. Hopefully that'll give me a different perspective um, on the series. But I remember, you know, don't get me wrong, I love this series. I, you know, I liked, you know, I came to really love most of the characters and everything, but there were certain ones that 
um, I'm definitely more attached to than others. Uh, Lita being one of them. Um, Lita, she's what? Lita Trevor at this point. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, her I always liked a lot. Fury's a great character. I always thought she was really, really cool. Um, I love Nuclon, but I've always hated the Mohawk. I just thought it was a stupid <laughs> look. Oh, come How on. can you hate a Mohawk? Yeah, it's just goofy. And the problem is with him, I, I, I like everything about him. I like his origin. I like his look. I, I, th- I love his power set. I think everything about him is really, really cool. I like the character he develops into later. It's just the Mohawk because even at this time, it dated him badly. You know what I mean? And I, I mean, what is he going for? Is he going for, you know, I'm a bad, you know, I'm a punk. I'm a bad boy. I mean, cause he's not, he's like the sweetest guy on the team. He's like the gentle giant. You know what I mean? So it's just kind of a weird, he's a white kid try- who grew up in the burbs trying to look cool. Come I, on. I guess it's just, I don't know. Do you like the Mohawk? Cause I think he looks really silly. I like the Mohawk. You do really? <laughs> okay. I, I, I no. I think it's part and parcel to the character. Yeah. At the, especially at this time, this is, this is, this was his design. So it's not like we were ever given until recently uh, another option. Right. When really think about it. I mean, yeah, it kind of you know as the decades wore on, it looked sillier. With, with you know when we when we got into the nineties, it was just like really, what are you going for here? But in this series, I have no issues with the Mohawk. You know, with with uh, with all apologies to everyone involved, you know what this smacks of to me? It, it smacks of old people trying to relate to what's hip and cool today. That's just the feel I get from that character is like, you know, he's of the new young generation. So what are the, what are the young people doing today? Oh, they're wearing Mohawks. It's like, no dude, no, just let it go. But I don't know. Again, it's, it's just me. I mean, I like everything about him. I just never liked the Mohawk thing. I kind of, but then again, if he had stuck with his original hairstyle, he would probably look just as silly with the style of um, style of mask that he has with you know with the open top mask. Yeah, because he's got kind of you know Poindexter hair. So I don't know. <laughs> but uh, all right, then we get to Norda. Um, he can be summed up in two words. Norda sucks. I never <laughs> liked this guy at all. <laughs> And, wow, and this is part of my problem with with um, Nuclon having a mohawk is that Norda has a natural mohawk. So you got two characters on the same team, both with the goofy mohawk thing going on, and Norda looks. I mean, he just looks completely ridiculous. He, he's he's got a he's got an ugly look. I, I his origin is completely ridiculous, and why is he wearing a mask? He wears a mask that looks makes him look even more ridiculous than he naturally. Because look at page nineteen where he's coming yeah, I, through the window, and yeah. he's basically he's he's a he's a bird guy. He's got a bird mohawk. He's got bird wings all over him, and then you you come down midway through the page to the the panel the long panel in the middle of the page, and he's wearing what's basically like. Imagine a Lone Ranger mask, but but with a f- with feathery ends to it, you know, and, and it's just it's ridiculous. When I realized, wait a minute, that's not like his eyes and like feathers growing out of it. That it's a mask. I'm like, 
dude, why, who knows who you are? Why are you wearing a mask? Well, it's to protect his friends and loved ones. Oh, God. Who might, for his enemies that might strike against him. Yeah. His enemies, like people with BB guns. <laughs> that was mean. I'm sorry. I, you know, I'm going to just spoil ahead right now and say that uh, I don't think, to my recollection anyway, Norda never does redeem himself. I, I, to my recollection, he sucks from beginning to end. <laughs> Am I wrong? Is there ever a good Norda story? Because I don't remember nope. being. Yeah. <laughs> Not really. Not that I can remember either. Yeah. And I. I can't remember what happens to him, so I'm just going to hold to the fervent hope that something horrible happens to him during the course of the series, because I never liked that character. Um, moving along, we got Jade and Obsidian. Uh, I came to really, really like these guys a whole lot. We didn't get much of them, and I love their introduction in this, which is basically, Hi, Green Lantern, we're your kids. Bye. And I was like, that's the weirdest, strangest introduction in this. And she even turns to Green Lantern as they're leaving. Jade says, uh, oh, by the way, don't follow us. And I'm like, how can you drop a bomb like that? Yeah, I was thinking the exact same thing. (laughs) Really? Really? (sighs) Really? I mean, that's, I mean, if somebody walked into my work and said, hey, Mike, you're my dad, but don't try to follow me, I'd be like, wow, how can you, wow. Okay, you suck. <laughs> I uh, this isn't really a criticism or a nitpick. It's really just an observation, and I and I won't uh, you know go on and on about it because I think we've made this same um, observation before. But it really jumped out to me on page twenty three, and then I went back and looked through the whole rest of the book, and pretty much through the whole book, Robin is still being drawn like he's in his late teens, early 20s, like like he's a 20-something. And I think we did the math on this in another episode, and we figured he's got to be what, like late 40s to mid 50s, something like yeah, that? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. He was like eight years old in 1940. Right. Then in 1970, he's, what, 38. Right. And by here, he's 48. Plus four. He's 52 years old. Yeah. And look at him. On, on the bottom of page 23, how old would you say he is right there? 19? Like 19. Yeah. yeah. I would say that. Yeah. So, yeah. He's, he's got a wicked workout routine or something going on there. Um, Summing it all up, I, I got to be perfectly honest. I Don't get me wrong. I am very excited for us covering this series. I, I really do love Infinity Inc. I love the directions that it goes and the characters that come in and some of the awesome storylines. I like some of the art that we're going to get in this series. But as a first issue, I, I just have to be honest, it's kind of meh. You know, I love what it sets up and I love where the series goes. Uh, that's what makes me excited for covering this. But this is a first issue. My my grade is kind of it's right in the middle. It's kind of like meh, it's all right. What do you think? Uh, I I think I liked it a little more than you did, but I agree with many of your points. Uh, starting with uh, page one, you know, Hawkman does this whole thing. Sorry to have called you all away from your homes on Christmas Eve, but I'll try to make this brief so we can all get back to our families. Those of us who have families, Hawk. And it's basically Green Arrow going, I have no one in my life. Why are you reminding me of this? I hate you. <laughs> he starts crying. Um, I have to agree with you. Everyone in this room, even Johnny Thunder, looks really pissed. 
Huntress looks bored. Like, you know, weren't Robin and I trying to have a creepy relationship? <laughs> I mean, you're interrupting this. So, yeah. Power Girl does look very bored. So bored she's straddling her chair, which is kind of hot. Mm-hmm. Um, the two-page splash is beautiful. And, I, and most of my notes actually revolve around artwork in this issue. Um, I like the shot of the people breaking in, but outside of Hawkman's sucky mask, I like just how everyone looks on this page. Uh, Ordway and Macklin draw a great Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. And she looks pretty cool. And I love the way Huntress's cape flows down across the chair. Uh, I did not mention, by the way, that there was a quote uh, in this issue as Ordway, uh, not Ordway, Thomas was doing at the time. The world is yours for a season. It would be tragic if you realize too late, as so many others do, that the only thing the world in the world worth having, and that is youth. Oscar Wilde, as paraphrased in the film The Picture of Dorian Gray. Um, page four. Why are they fighting? They just came in. It's not like they came in and started like throwing punches. And they just get up and start like having this massive fight. And how would Hawkman not know who Norda is, even with... The, like, does the mask work that well? Like, seriously, you hung out with this kid, like, all your life, and watched him grow up. And you see this flying bird African-American kid come in and you go, who's that? Oh, God, you're right. And, yeah, Star Spangled Kid is wearing his tidy whities <laughs> uh, I don't know why, but okay. Um, page 7. I love the way Dr. Fate looks in the middle of this page. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looks, uh, He looks very cool, as does the flash on the bottom of the page. Again, the artwork is pretty top-notch throughout this whole thing. With the exception, possibly, as you said, of, of Robin looking a little too old. They need to put more gray in his hair is what they need to do. Right. Um, page 8. Hawkman in that second panel. Ordway and Macklin really captured what a jerk he is in this whole thing. Um, and Robin, again, he looks like he's in his 20s. It's really Now that you've pointed it out, I can't unsee it. So... Um, Page nine, I like the fact that the Adam is trying to tell Albert that, like, everything's going to be okay, dude. I got this. And it just doesn't go that way. <laughs> um, I really feel bad for both Lyda and Hector as, as, as people because, you know, it can't... Growing up with celebrity parents is, it has to be difficult. Growing up where, especially in, like, Hector's case, where his parents were superheroes, and when they weren't being superheroes, they were off on an archaeological dig. I mean, you guys make terrible parents. Right. Uh, Lyda, a little more normal, because it seemed like Wonder Woman really wanted her to have a a normal existence growing up. Though, I love when, when they meet uh, on page 12. Uh, in the middle of the page, Hector is having a I-should-have-had-a-V8-moment. By smacking himself on the on the forehead, um, but and, but that picture on the bottom of page twelve of Lyda holding him up by the by the bud, it's like whoa 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 watch watch where that hand goes. <laughs> Crushing is is bad. Um, as I said, I think Wonder Woman wanted her to wanted Lyda to have as normal an upbringing as possible. But I I love the fact, and it's this really subtle characterization bit on the part of Thomas on page 13 
they show Lida being shown things at on Paradise Island, and Wonder Woman's constantly going, take the picture, Steve. Okay, now, Steve, now. Right. And it's just like, so, she's kind of a smothering parent, it seems like. Though, I, I kind of have to agree, maybe, her wanting her to, Lida to go to college before becoming a superhero, not, um, not a bad thing. You know, it's not like like Hawkman, who's just an asshole. You know, it, it seems like she's just an overprotective mother that wants, you know, her daughter to have the life that she wants her to have, and Lyda doesn't want that, so. Uh, bottom of page 13, I'm not quite sure I like the whole thing of Lyda seeing Albert Rothstein beforehand, but I guess you had to have them being friends before. Right. If that makes any sense. Um... <laughs> Page 15 and 16, I like Albert's origin. It's actually kind of sad when you think about it that, you know, his grandfather died before he was, before, his, uh, soon after his mother was born. And then his father dies after he's, you know, when he looks to be, what, about five or six. So, but it, it, it's a really, it's compact storytelling, but it works out well. Uh, they show that he's never been normal, but... You know, that's his thing. He's tall and he's strong, and that's pretty much it. And and Adam trained him, which I, I kind of like. So, As far as Norda goes, um, I could care less about this character. Right. Um, I, I feel bad saying that. It seems like he was created just to create conflict within the team right off between him and Hector Hall. And I got it. And, and once again, Hawkman, are you this much of a jackass that you would sit there and like hang out with the kid who could fly over your own son? I mean, that's terrible. That's awful. God, I hate Hawk the Earth to Hawkman. <laughs> he sucks. Um, page nineteen. Albert is lifting Lyda into the air to put the star on the tree, but it looks like. Hector's watching and Norda came in at the exact wrong moment. <laughs> like this is going to go really like skinamax any minute now, but whatever. Uh, bottom of page 19. Then the vote is a tie, ladies and gentlemen, seven to seven. It remains then for me as chairman to cast the deciding. Oh yeah. Like we know how, where this is going. Jackass. Um, my only really big beef with this issue, outside of the fact that it is literally all set up, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, it's just kind of off-putting in this era, um, is that Jane and Obsidian just show up at the end. It's like, we don't know how else to get these characters in this story. Here they are. And you're right, they, they drop the bombshell, we're GL's kids, bye! You know, <laughs> you have kids, but... Even though we don't seem to hate you, we don't want you to follow us, and uh, it's just kind of annoying. But uh, I do like on page twenty-one the Flash scratching his head, but his helmet's on. Um, <laughs> okay, here's my Johnny Thunder making fun of moment. Page twenty-one, a uh, very first panel. Flash says, "Hey, GL, you know what? They look a lot like those youngsters we ran into in the weird that weird day back in World War Two." GL, I'm not, sh I'm not sure I know what you mean, but if I had a family, I would know about it, wouldn't I? 
Johnny Thunder says, I always have. Well, Johnny, that's because you could probably count on one hand the number of women you've had sex <laughs> So, I mean, he's got Peachy Pet, right? Isn't that his daughter? Yeah. Something like that? Does he know about her at this point, or does he discover Creepy. her? Be by- Yeah, I, don't, I have no idea. Peachy Pet, really? <sighs> Anyways, um... Oh, get it, jumping ahead a few pages, page page 23... Huntress and Power Girl walk out, uh, basically saying, you know, you guys suck, <laughs> which, you know, that was kind of cool. I like the fact that there was fallout from the dissension in the ranks, basically. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a way to get them, ultimately, they don't really end up on the team, but it gets them involved in this story. And Star Spangled Kid doesn't walk out, and I always felt he should have at this point. It really should have been the three of them all going out together, but he seems to try to stop them and then wants to go with them because he's got a crush on Power Girl, and it's 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 really, really kind of strange. And then, last page, Brainwave shows up. And it's just like, wow, so... Okay. We finally get to a villain, and it's the very last page of the book. Weird. And it's Brainwave. But, and it's Brainwave. <laughs> Hydrocephalic Brainwave. Um, but I mean, like I said, I think I liked the issue a little more than you did and I would give it a slightly higher grade. Uh, but a lot of that comes from the artwork right? with me. The artwork in this, in this whole thing is so gorgeous. And that may be why the second issue was late because there's a lot of time taken in this book on the art and making it as big and flashy and making it look good. And this is what I, when I close my eyes and think of earth Two, this is what I think of pretty much. So, uh, overall I'd give it probably a B minus, maybe bordering on a C plus as a grade, which we've never done before, but whatever. Um, we get a nice little history of the book in the text piece, which, uh, just goes over, you know, the history of the JSA as far as DC comics, mentioning a bunch of stuff like the all-star revival and the Mr. And Mrs. Superman series in the, Superman family series, which I really have to, I really have to track down all of those because I've always wanted to read them. They're kind of goofy, mm-hmm. but some of them are kind of neat. Like there's one showing how Clark Kent became the editor in chief of the Daily Star, and it was a whole rivalry between him and Perry White. Hmm. They were both trying to vie for the position, and Clark won out. And I'm like, wow, that's actually kind of cool. So, but you know. I'm really glad we're here because the storyline, the first 10 issues of this series, the generation saga, as it has become known, is a fantastic story. Uh, and we even get naked wonder woman mm-hmm. issue five. I think it is. So I'm all about that. <laughs> I am all about naked wonder. Woman. So, uh, speaking of golden age or older wonder woman, um, so if they ever do a Wonder Woman movie and Linda Carter doesn't play Hippolyta, will you boycott the film? Oh, no, not necessarily. But I, I can't imagine that, that that they'll ever do one where, she, you know, she won't be in it somehow or other if she's still yeah. around, you know. she's She's got to be, you know. <laughs> Let's take the most single identifiable Wonder Woman in culture and ignore her. Right. <laughs> so, but I'm really glad we're here. This is... uh. This is really cool. You know, we're almost halfway through All-Star Squadron. I know. I was thinking about that today, as a matter of fact, because I, I, 
for some reason, I can never remember how many issues that series runs. And I was I looking was 67. 67. Yeah. And I was looking at that today to see how many issues it was. And I was like, man, we're just about at the halfway point. So, yeah. So I'm glad we're digging into a to a whole new series because Infinity Inc. ran, what was it, 54 issues, I think? Something, something like, like that. that. Yeah. And- you know, All Star kind of continues in Young All Star for thirty two issues mm-hmm. about. So we've got a long way to go. Oh yeah, before this particular era comes to an end. So it it, it and it's, and it's kind of like why I'm glad we're here because it's not like we're losing any steam on All Star Squadron because I think we're really getting into the meat and potatoes of that series. Oh yeah. Um, but now it's just like okay, not only are we doing that, but we have this other thing and Infinity Incorporated eventually kind of peters out towards the end there's uh there's a lot in the in the middle part of this series that is kind of eh and then right at the end it 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 picks up again and then it's canceled (laughs) see i'm i'm really i'm really looking forward to this read because i really remember really enjoying it and and loving places that it went and characters that come in and how certain characters evolve and change and things like that but it's weird. It's one of those things where I have, you know, really good feelings about it, but I can't remember specifics very well about what you know, what was it exactly that I really dug about it. I just don't remember. Like, you know, it was so long ago that I read it and and as I say, I, I read it, you know, all out of order and and just, you know, whichever issues I could get a hold of and things like that. So this is gonna be a it's it's going to be in a lot of ways almost like reading it for the first time because I'll be reading it you know for the first time you know in proper order and everything. But I'm looking forward to it because you know, except for uh, one or two characters, I, I really do like the team and I like you know where they go and you know how how things shake up with them. So yeah, I think I'm, it's exciting. I'm kind of with I'm kind of like you. Uh, I did read it in order, but I only read it once mm-hmm. back in 2000 when I was going through my All Star Squadron Infinity Incorporated run because I read both series concurrently with each other, and uh, I had read the Generations Saga before that because that was actually that was one of the first things I bought at Titan Games and Comics when I moved to Georgia was the first 10 issues of Infinity Incorporated because they were like two bucks a piece in the back issue mm-hmm. bins. And I was... Uh, that, to me, at the time, was like a good price for a back issue. Now I'm a little cheaper, but... <laughs> whatever. Uh, no, but... but So I've read this... This will be my third time going through this particular story. But I moved down here in 1995, and then the next time I read it was in 2000. So it's been like almost 12 years since I've really gone through this series. So like you, it's going to be kind of like going through it again for the first time, because I got to be honest beyond the generation saga. I remember bits and pieces of what happens. And like, I remember baby doll from helix and what her, the real world inspiration for her, which I thought was kind of interesting. But beyond that, I don't remember a whole lot from this series. And eventually we're going to have to, uh, we're going to have to read an outsider special and an issue of new teen Titans. Yep. Um, with this series because of the crossovers that happen. because after the crisis, suddenly this team's earth one. And I think much like how all star squadron never recovered after the crisis. I think infinity incorporated did better. 
But there's a lot of wonkiness when it comes to Fury. Oh, yeah. Uh, there's a lot of putting a round peg in a square hole going on there. But that's not to say that it's a bad thing. So, uh, no, excitement ahead, folks. And uh, I hope you like having the old Fantastic Four theme back, because uh, we missed it. Yes. Even though I like the Sky World, the Sky Cap, the Sky World, and the Captain of Tomorrow, <laughs> um, <laughs> this cold is getting to my head. Here's something cool that we can say. I'm excited about this. This issue has been reprinted ah. in the Generation Saga hardcover, which you can find at Amazon.com. Go to Two True Freaks click on the Amazon link, order the book. How was that for shilling? <laughs> An expert job of shilling. An expert job. I'm getting better at it. I'm getting better. <laughs> so I think that's it for this issue because we already did the ads and everything else yeah, last time. Yeah, that's true. That's so. <laughs> true. One thing we, we didn't talk about um, that I was just kind of noting here. I think one of the, the things for me that maybe... Um, Maybe it had a slight bit to do with uh, with my feelings on the issue. I was never really a fan. Uh, you know, I, I like the Baxter format in theory, but looking back on a lot of these Baxter format books now, they just had a lot of problems with the printing process. The colors always looked very strange, and I think that had a lot to do with it because I think it affects – my perception of the art when the when the coloring looks odd you know what i mean because looking through this now i mean the art really is fantastic and i didn't really have a a high opinion of it but a lot of that was based on the the coloring um i i never really felt like they they mastered the baxter paper as far as the printing process i know they were going for a more slick and polished look. I don't know that I ever felt that they were completely successful in pulling it off, but it actually really is beautiful art in this. Yeah, um, the, you know, the the new form, what eventually would become known as new format. Um, mm-hmm. It's interesting only because the ads look so different from what we're used right. to. Because we saw a lot of these ads in the All-Star Squadron issue, but what I like about it is it makes this book kind of more of an event. Right. Like, you know, like not only are we introducing a new book, but it's on really cool paper. So now was this the first direct book? I'm trying to remember which book it was that had that distinction. And I want to say it was this one, but I honestly can't remember. Cause they all kind of come on top of each other in 1984. Because you had Legion of Superheroes and you had New Teen Titans mm-hmm. all hit with their Baxter series. And then Outsiders came further down the road. Uh, I think that was like 85. No, that was that 84 too? Man. You know, if we did some research, this would probably be a lot better. But, uh... <laughs> Let's do some quick Googling. Uh, 
that started Legion's Baxter series started in August of 1984 cover date wise New Teen Titans started in August of 1984 Outsiders started in November of 1985 this might be the first Baxter book or at least yeah I believe Ronin and Camelot 3000 were the first Baxter series on this paper. Yeah, that's what I'm that's what I'm seeing here as well. That uh, Camelot 3000 was out on Baxter. It, it seems to me that I, it just popped into my head too that there was some special distinction that Infinity Inc. had as far as the direct market goes, but I can't remember what it was. Maybe it was that it was the first series. Probably, uh, for DC at least, the first Marvel was Dazzler. Right. Um, but I think this was the first, like, DC series that was going, you know... Right, where there where there was no... Basically, there was no way to get it. If you didn't have access to a comic shop, you didn't have access to this book. Because even with, uh, with Teen Titans and Legion of Superheroes... They ended up ha- ended up having the Tales of series where they were reprinting the Baxter stuff. So if you didn't have access to, you know, direct sales in in your town or whatever, if you could get those titles, then you were getting the reprints. You know, you were getting the stories. Basically, I think it was about a almost a year off. It was something like eight months lag between like where the stories were. In the in the direct series and where they were in the reprint series, but Infinity Inc. didn't have that. So, I mean, you you literally needed to have access to the direct market somehow in order to read the series. And of course, I didn't. You know, I lived in a small town, so it wasn't until um, you know much later when I was able to get to you know some cities that had comic shops where I started tracking down the back issues and I, I'm pretty sure the series was well over by that point I, I think because what what I'm trying to remember what year this would have would have run to if this is 84 and it went 54 issues so that's what 88. 88, yeah, so it was over by the time I actually got into it, you know, and started hunting down back issues or what. So, yeah, I don't know where I was going with all that, but it just suddenly occurred to me that this book, by being on Baxter paper, did have some sort of special distinction. Also, I was going to ask you, do you actually have that reprint book that you were talking about, the Generation Saga? Oh, the hardcover? Yeah. No, I have not picked up a copy yet. I wonder what the what the color you know what the uh, printing looks like in that. I wonder if they recolored it. Be interesting. I'd like to know if his Teddy Whitey's disappeared. Yeah, because you know I, again, I, I think that uh, that has a lot to do with my opinion. Because you you look at the very first page in this, unless this is just my issue, d- does it look kind of washed out to you? Like the colors look. A little bit. Funny. Uh, not too bad. Uh, you know, this was a new process. Right. So, I mean, it's not like that coloring process they did with the first issue of Crisis and Who's Who, which was abysmal. Uh, it's not that bad. Because that was that was near catastrophic. Apparently, George Perez almost walked off Crisis 
if they didn't go to normal coloring. Wow. Um, because he was that disappointed. If I'm remembering the interview correctly, he was that disappointed in how it looked. And it did look, and, and, and again, uh, I'm going to say this when we get to it, but DC, can we experiment on something else besides the two biggest books you're going to publish that year? Right. Please, you idiots. That was mean. Sorry. Need to, uh, see, now I need to dig that out and look at it again, because I don't remember ever thinking that Crisis Number 1 looked funny, but, you know... It's been a Read while. Issues two and three, and then get to issues one and two, and then get issues get to issue three, and you're like, "Wow, okay." <laughs> uh, well, I think that's an episode. I think we need to wrap it up for this time. I'll go ahead and do the uh, the outro for us. That's it for this week, folks. Be sure to visit our website at www.twotruefreaks.libson.com for more exciting podcasts featuring both Michael and myself, as well as several other sad and pathetic human beings who have nothing better to do with their time. Hey. <laughs> what? No, I, I, I've just always wanted to say that when you say that. So. <laughs> Join our forum at www.forumforgeeks.com where you can comment on this week's episode and interact with us and your fellow listeners and everybody else that's over there. We have built a great, fun, and friendly community, and we want you to be a part of it, damn it! As always, you can reach us by email at talesofthejsa at gmail.com. Not at two true freaks at gmail.com, at talesofthejsa at gmail.com. Keep getting all this wrong mail in the two true freaks inbox, which, if you guys haven't noticed by now, we never read email out of there. I don't know why, we just don't. And of course, Michael and I, we are both on Facebook, so friend us already. And if you enjoy the show, won't you please, please, please take a moment to mention us on the social networking site of your choice whenever you're listening to the show. Because word of mouth is still the best way to let others know about our show, and we really appreciate your helping us to grow the listenership. Thanks again for listening, folks, and be sure to join us again next week for the tales of the Justice Society of America. Mm-hmm.